0: You're listening to a Fat Cat Media Podcast. If you love caravanning, four-wheel driving, fishing, camping, gold detecting, exploring places, history and visiting destinations all rolled into each episode, welcome to the Road Less travel podcast. A podcast that documents and captures the Australian spirit of travel, discovery and adventure. And each week you can join myself where together we'll experience adventures all around Australia with glimpses into a world that's faded into history. The people, the places, the way of life. This is The Road Less Travelled. This is The Road Less Traveled, presented by Nikki Shea. G'day, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Road Less Traveled podcast. Nikki Shea back in the seat with you. A warm welcome if you've just joined us for the first time to the Road Less Traveled podcast, and if you're a seasoned listen- listener. Welcome back. It's always great to get your feedback on the show as we're out caravanning, four-wheel driving, fishing, camping, gold detecting, cooking, and exploring places, history, and visiting destinations all rolled into each episode. You can catch up with the show on our website, which is fatcatmedia.com.au. You can interact with me by dropping me an email, which is fatcat at iinet.net.au, or you can SMS 042 752 8467. You can listen to the show on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google Spark Google Podcast, rather, or wherever you get your podcast feed. And if you're in the Bayside suburbs of Mordialic and beyond in Melbourne, you can listen to us on Bayside Radio. Big thanks to Artie Stevens and the team down there. So uh, catch us on Radio Bayside in Mordialic and you can listen to 89.0 FM. Or you can also listen to us on Radio Garden and listen live on RadioBayside.com. So again, a thanks to Artie Stevens and the team down there. Greatly appreciated for their support and their ongoing p- uh, patience with the show, and their audience as well. Greatly appreciate, so thank you very much. Now, I've been experimenting a lot with my cooking on the barbecue, and as you can hear in the background, as I just move the microphone away from that, as we try and get some audio back. And I've been experimenting a lot too with things like spare ribs, pork ribs, beef ribs, and so forth, both on the barbecue and also in the um, Weber. Um, and in the caravan oven as as well as at home, plus on the open fire. I've got a pretty easy recipe that I've been mucking around with and it's a pretty, um, well, you can use it on pork ribs. So for the benefit of argument, we'll use it on pork ribs for this particular episode. I have used it on beef ribs as well. And you can get glazing with a really simple step-by-step recipe for real finger-licking good barbecued pork ribs. It's... um, got only 10 ingredients in it Uh, for the glaze that you will need um, half a cup tomato sauce the Worcestershire sauce as well, brown sugar um, apple cider vinegar too, some Dijon mustard, paprika things like oregano leaves, a bit of cumin, things like that so you can you don't have to have it step by step recipe a lot of my recipes is sort of a little bit of this, a little bit of that and you add it as you go. First of all though, preheat an oven to around about 180 degrees or 160 degrees if it's fan forced. Get yourself some tomato sauce, the Worcestershire sauce, sugar, vinegar, the mustard, paprika, the oregano and the cumin into a large saucepan and heat it over a low heat. Stir it in for about two to three minutes or basically until the sugar dissolves. You can also add things like if you're a little bit more experimental, we've been using honey and maple syrup as well for the for the sauce. You then increase the heat to medium bring it back to a simmer and make sure that it's cooked and you stir it in for about five minutes or until it's thickened slightly but don't let it boil it's got to cool down you then combine some hot water and about two tablespoons of glaze into a roasting pan now I've been using those little aluminium foil trays that you can get from Woolies or Coles or whatever then add the ribs cover the pans uh, really tightly with aluminium foil and then bake the ribs turning once Allow for a minimum of two hours or until they're tender. When I say tender, the meat is starting to fall directly off the bone. Then brush the ribs with the remaining glaze. I've also been turning those ribs as well. And if the glaze is too thick to brush, just transfer it to like a a microwave-safe bowl or something like that and then heat it on medium in 30-second bursts to thin it out slightly if you don't want that gluggy sort of cooking feeling. Then pre-heat, preheat the barbecue grill or a, a pan on medium and then you cook the ribs for four to five minutes each side if you want or until caramelized and slightly charred and then transfer it onto the chopping board. Cover the ribs with some foil and then put them aside for about two to three, maybe four minutes to rest before carving them up. That is if they haven't already fallen off the bone and use a really large sharp knife to cut between the ribs and then transfer them onto a serving platter. And it's that easy. But don't let your glaze boil or it might catch on the base of the pan and it goes gluggy. And if it's too thick to brush, again, reheat it slightly in the microwave or in a saucepan. And then spoon half your glaze, to, glaze rather into a bowl before you start brushing. And that way you only use as much as the glaze as you need. And then you can serve the leftover glaze with the ribs or store in the fridge for around about up to two weeks. Again, it's a lot of experimenting. But well, I've had a lot of fun doing it. And as I said, with the recipe, you can throw all kinds of different things in there if you want a bit of garlic in there for flavor. You can also buy prepaid, uh, prepaid, pre-made um, glaze sauces um, from all your, the major supermarkets are in with the sauce section. And you can do things like a whiskey sauce or if you want a really hot, spicy glaze sauce, you can use those as well. But really been enjoying uh, cooking a lot on the fire and in the oven as well. And um, you can really get a lot of fantastic flavors, a lot of experimental ones, you think, well, that didn't go quite well, but it's all experimental and it's all a lot of fun. And if you have a chance to do some pork ribs or, or uh, beef ribs, make sure that you uh, give it a chance, and you certainly won't be disappointed. So we've had a bit of a change in the way of our setup as far as vehicles are concerned with the Roadless Trail. The end of last year, we decided to trade the mighty Colorado the 2011 Colorado that we had on a newer vehicle. And it was just because it was time for a change. The Colorado had never let us down. It was absolutely faultless in all the time that we had her. We were the second owners of her, and we've traveled all around Western Australia, all over to the eastern states and and north and south and all places in between. The vehicle hadn't let us down, it was just time for a change. And that change for us came in the way of a 2023 Nissan Navara Pro 4X Dual Cab. Now, Dual Cab utes are the gift that keeps on giving to manufacturers in this country, there's no doubt about it, and release a new one regardless of price, and you've got an immediate waiting list It wasn't quite that bad when Nissan launched the current Navara, but that was in the pre-pandemic world. Supply and demand were a little bit more closely aligned than they are now, certainly in in 2023-2022 as well. The Navara separated itself immediately from the pack for us, thanks to a rear end that did away with the leaf spring suspension and made the brave move to coil springs. Not The only Ute to do so, though, or the first, but a rarity in this segment and a big shift for a volume brand such as Nissan. So the Navarra arrived feeling more car-like, more sophisticated, more focused on unladen ride quality, something dual cabs never did very well. The Volkswagen Amarok was as good as it got with Leaves at the time, and then the Fords, they kept fettling the Ranger to make it as good as possible. Now, there was some bleating, I guess you could say, about load carrying capacity and Nissan not being able to lug a near tonne worth of whatever it might be in the tray. The problem is, criticism like that doesn't take into account the fact that few people spending the Navara Pro 4X money expect their dual cab to actually work for a living. We were more inclined to celebrate the Navara's car-like cabin and on-road manners, which were unladen. Now, Izuzu blew the segment up with the new D-Max, which, as you know, also provides the underpinnings for the Mazda BT-50, and the whole state of play had changed again. The new Navara for us wasn't quite so new anymore, but then Ford also released the all-new range, and we know how that's gone thus far. So the question then is whether the Navara can still hang with, or at least land a few blows on the best in the segment. Plenty of buyers don't care which dual cab is the best, um, and sometimes brand loyalty, decisions based on style or a preference for the cabin ergonomics mean that the best isn't always the one that the punters want. Navara still needs to be solid though, so let's find out how it gets down to business around town in the way that most people will actually use a Navara Pro 4X. The only tweaks in recent times for the Pro 4X are heated seats, which I must say are very welcome in winter, with power adjustment and lumbar support, which came with a reasonable $600 price rise. The previous model's manual seats were comfortable enough, but the heating and the electric lumbar adjustments have lifted the cabin comfort a notch or two, which was important for us. Now the test starters, and um, when we went to buy the vehicle, were from 59.730 before on-road cost zero options. For the latest test trucks, mean that the indicative drive-away price at the time of testing was about 64 grand. Sitting atop the regular Navara dual-cab pile, the Pro 4X is the one that appeals to city buyers. And it does it because it looks tough but stylish and also the basis for the Navara Pro 4X Warrior, which is the flagship Navara product for off-road explorers. Now, as we've seen with the Warrior, but even with the aftermarket, Navara's coil spring rear end makes a great starting point for off-road focus modifications. Now, in the 4x4 dual-cab style Range you can get into an SL from around 46 grand, then step through the ST at 52, the STX at 55, and the newly added SL Warrior at 58. And then the Pro X, where testing's uh, around about the 58 to 59 mark. All these of prices are, of course, before the on road costs. Now, Pro4X is, as the price and status in the range indicates, is very well equipped. You get all-terrain tyres, black finishes for the fender flares, roof rails, door mirrors, sidesteps, grille and door handles, black 17-inch alloy wheels, a tow bar, black stainless sports bar, tub liner and a full-size spare. The last Pro4X was white and I did like that colour, but I had to go with the eye catching burning red paint. We'd had white vehicles before, it was time for a change. So I said to Jeff, we've got to go burning red. Now there's some tough pickup DNA for the styling, too. The Navara looks more than a little bit like a full size Nissan Titan from the States. That's not a bad thing, though, as we know plenty of buyers here get into the dual cabs for the styling. And the Navara still cuts a stylish figure on the road, in town or out in the bush, even in the face of newer metal. I absolutely love it. Um, the cabin's always been well executed, but like all dual cabs, there are some things that could be improved. The steering wheel has no reach adjustment, only tilt. And i would like to be able to lower the seat down in the cabin a bit more. You do feel, especially for the taller drivers, that you're sitting a little too high up in the cabin. uh, Compared to the best in the dual cab segment, there's something that's something you'll notice. And the fact that Navara feels car-like inside, the cabin remains. And that's thanks not just to the dash design or the choice of materials, but also the general ambience. The second row passengers get air vents, and that's good for Rocco. And there's also dual zone air conditioning up front. The second row though is a little another area as we see in many dual cabs it could be better especially now against sort of newer stiffer competition. It's not horribly cramped by any means and even the biggest could be more comfortable but it is tighter in the second row but that doesn't really faze us because rocker the dogs in the second row. There's two USB ports up front and two in the back. They take care of the charging. We always always like the sliding rear window too, which adds with the airflow through the cabin when the mood takes you. And that cabin remains, as it's been since launch, comfortable and insulated around town or out on the highway. And it's a lovely touring dual cab on any road. The all-terrain tyres remain really quiet even at highway speed. So... What's it like to drive? Well, we focused on around town manners and the usage of the regular buyer in mind, too. We know that from previous testings, that if you're towing a heavy trailer or caravan, for example, then the little 2.3 litre four cylinder twin turbo diesel engine can't match the best in the segment. However, with the 140 kilowatts and the 450 newton meters on offer, it can get around town with EVA without rather uh, working very hard. The peak torque figure being available so low in the rev range means it's always feel really punchy in the traffic. With you need to get moving from the rest or roll onto the highway. There's certainly a clean surge of punch from down low that keeps delivering up to near the red line and Navara will happily sit on 110 k's an hour all day if you want it to and remain efficient doing it. Even if you like the idea of the road trips on the weekend, Navara will certainly make light work of touring duties. Where the engine works hard when towing, it never feels or sounds stressed around town and that makes for a really relaxing experience whether you're cruising along the highway or in stop-start traffic. Cleverly matched to the engine, the automatic 7 ratios, they work away with the out, without the transmission seeming to hunt or constantly shift gears just for the sake of it. And the gearbox hasn't done anything weird or clunky at any time for us so far. It does get uh, the all-terrain tyres well behaved in the city, even on a wet surface with the light feel of the steering that makes moving it around a cinch. The brakes work well without needing a heavy shove to pull the Navarra up, not like I had to do with the Colorado. And whether or not you're taking the Vivara off-road, the off-road focus rubber doesn't detract from the own on-road reliability. It's really quite interesting testing and driving a dual cab in town when you can watch a hundred of others being used for exactly the same purpose. But no matter how good they are off-road or at work, the reality for more expensive variants, variants rather is that they will always be doing exactly what we've been doing on a test. As such, the Navara's coil spring rear end is a bonus. While it can't haul a huge weight as easily as leaf springs can, that's irrelevant for anyone who doesn't do it and the Navara does ride effortlessly over poor surfaces. In the major cities at the moment, we have plenty of poor surfaces to give a dual cab a workout to. And for us, we can't complain. It's been super reliable, absolutely effortless, very, very comfortable, all the ergonomics that you want, your power steering, your air conditioning. There's three modes that you can choose for uh, towing, for a sport mode as well, or just normal driving. It's a four-wheel drive, so it's got all the capabilities to take you off-road and highway driving thats exactly what we wanted. So we've done some upgrades when it comes to the Navara Pro 4X. We didn't want the Warrior. We were quite happy with the Pro 4X. It's got the leather interior, uh, carpeted floors. So we went with uh, genuine Nissan floor mats. We went with uh, genuine Nissan seat covers in the rear for Rocco. Um, we went with a genuine Nissan um, Roof rack on the rear canopy. We've got a Genuine Nissan rear canopy as well. We've got a dual battery set up in the back there with lithium batteries. And it is just a really sophisticated, um, I'll go through that a little bit later and probably do a video on that as well, of the setup that we've got for the dual batteries. So we were able to put the, um, we've gone for a single draw system um, from Titan, a uh, uh, four-wheel drive superstore, whatever they are. We went with, we had in the Kilorado, we had um, two draw systems next to each other. Uh, In this one we've actually gone with one singular draw, we've put the MSA fridge slide on top of that the angle on top of that and um, we're quite comfortable with that it allows extra room to the side of the angle to be able to put other things in like your luggage a um, bit of camping gear or if you need to go down and get a, a bale of hay because we're on, a, on the farm then that's what you can do as well so it just allows for a little bit more extra room and in the back we went with the genuine tub liner um, got some extra strip lighting in there as well and um, instead of having sliding draw sliding windows rather in the dual cap canopy. We've actually gone for the lift out ones and it's all central locking as well. Another little modification that we've put on the rear is a couple of little um, LED spotlights on the rear of the roof rack and they are able to be controlled by a little control box in the rear of the canopy too so that makes it for a little bit more ease when you're pulling up camping or if you've got to, you know, just need to unload the back during the, the evening. You can just flick the switch in the little Spotlights come on the back. We've also put some additional uh, lighting in the interior of the rear canopy, too. When you l- lift up the rear door access, there's an automatic light that comes on. We've got another little couple of strips on either side. Just press the button, press the little switch there, and there's a little strip LED lighting comes on, too. So all these little things that you go when you get your vehicle and you sort of want to set them out and dial them out, that's what you do. And it's good, too, with the genuine canopy. As I mentioned, uh, with the Navara itself, it's got a sliding rear Um, window. Uh, You can open that up by pressing the button in the driver cockpit and conversely in the rear of the canopy too you can actually open it up so you've got complete access where you can it's not probably what's that about 30 centimetres in uh, diameter so a small child could probably crawl in there but uh, you've got access for a bit of flow through air to get through or if you need to reach through you can do so so just some little things like that. Uh, Jeff's decided to go with um, the Genuine Nissan Flares. We'll be getting some wider uh, wheels. He likes to look at the Pro 4X Warrior wheels. So we might look at getting those further on down the track. Um, we've gone with a TX3100 UHF radio inside. And that's, at this stage, all the little modifications that we'll be doing. We'll be putting back um, a uh, awning on the roof rack in due course. We're just waiting on some bracketry to come through from that. But that's Pretty much the modifications. We were looking at perhaps uh, getting uh, like a light bar or something, but because of the lane changing, and all the various sensors and that, you can't just bolt on. Um, a light bar or driving lights, you actually have to have the, the genuine setup. So that may mean down the track that we might look at getting a genuine uh, bull bar to be able to fit l- driving lights on. But at this stage, I don't think it's really going to be uh, necessary because the the current light setup's absolutely brilliant, not needing driving lights like we had to in, in the Colorado. So it was a very sad day, I must say, when we said goodbye to the Colorado. I said to Jeff, man, that vehicle has not let us down. It was truly a very emotional day. Uh, A lot of memories made in that vehicle. But uh, we now say hello to our new Pro 4X, nicknamed Helen Reddy, because it's that fiery red color and the uh, dual-cab canopy to match. So uh, looking forward to a lot of fantastic adventures coming up on the Road Less Traveled podcast. Now, if you want more information on the Nissan Navara Range or Nissan in general, we got ours through Yarra Valley Nissan in Melbourne. You can find them at 454 Marinda Highway in Lilydale. And of course, they're online at yarravalleynissan.com.au. Give them a call on 03 9735 6789 and make sure that you let them know that the Road Less Travel podcast sent you. And the guys down there will certainly look after you as far as newer used cars. Um, sales um, spare parts and accessories and of course the very best in nissan service and repairs look up the team at yarra valley nissan we'll take a break here on the road less travel podcast back with more in just a moment fat cat media has over 25 years within motorsport media and marketing fat cat media has the proven knowledge and expertise to help your next event we have a variety of services available. They are including West MX Coaching and Development Schools, where we conduct schools and clinics across various metropolitan and country clubs throughout Australia. We cater our motocross coaching from beginners right through to intermediate junior riders. The coaching clinics are solely created and catered and also designed for smaller numbers to effectively support each rider and hone in on their particular requirements. Whilst our schools are designed for two days right through to five day camps, with multiple Motorcycling Australia accredited coaches giving individual coaching, drills, training, development and feedback throughout the duration. Our prices for coaching start at $150. With consultancy and advice, Fatcat Media creates and caters for a variety of platforms whether it be as a racer or for those within the motorcycle and motorsport industry. Have you considered the future? It is important to focus on what's ahead, well is it? Absolutely yes. How do you expect to move forward if you have no benchmark, no goals, no achievements and no strategic plan and direction on how to achieve your goals in the industry? It's mind-bogglingly crazy how folks will fork out thousands of dollars on motocross bikes, equipment and gear, yet have no clear plan on how to execute their execute racing year. Prices start at $130. Be inspired with our seminars and motivational speaking. We really enjoy and receive a lot of satisfaction and overwhelming feedback in conducting seminars. This involves giving motivational speeches and inspiring people to challenge themselves and become better at what they want to become better at. Relying on years in the media plus a life-changing health issue, Nikki will challenge and transform her audiences. If you truly and honestly want to help someone reach their true potential, stop answering all their questions and solving all their problems. Prices start at $130. With over 15 years commentating throughout Western Australia and Australian motocross and motorsports, Fat Cat Media prides itself on providing sound industry knowledge plus versatile media experiences and our commentators can interpret what's happening on and off the track with reliable information obtained from within the industry, when it happens and as it happens. Fat Cat Media's trackside commentators have the ability to develop a perspective on the subject through research, experience, interviews and of course by attending events. Prices start at $150. Do you have a race resume? Step 1 of obtaining sponsorship is a res- race resume and writer biography. Take advantage of our professional writing and massive mailing list of media outlets and sporting companies. You can complement this with professional photography, video or audio clips to send out to potential sponsors or partners. Whilst we do not go out and obtain sponsorship for you, a race resume is the first step for you to build relationships and foster ongoing partnerships with potential sponsors. Prices start at $150. For further information, head to fatcatmedia.com.au or drop us an email, fatcat at iinet.net.au. The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast, hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travelled podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You're listening to the Road Less Travelled podcast with Nikki Shea. Welcome back to the show. This is episode number six of the third series. And I got a bit of feedback from last week's show where we talked about modern day explorers of the 20th century and the Tanami Desert, in particular, Michael Terry. And during that sort of um, uh, last week's episode, I touched on Len Bedell. And someone, well, actually, there's been four people that said, who the heck is Len Bedell? Tell us more. Well, Len Bedell is a man who spent a lifetime sharing and working in the Australian outback he can lay claim to being among the last of the great explorers of Australia and that's because in the 1950s and the 1960s he undertook solo surveys which led to the building of roads throughout previously inaccessible parts of the outback he was more though than just a surveyor he was an author a cartoonist storyteller and above all a great family man lens wife and three kids connie sue gary and jackie have all featured in lens key Netflix Work of outback roads and junctions named after all of them. Now, the Bedell family, uh, Lynn sadly passed away, but they are still in control of looking after his legacy of books and related products and you can still buy them from the Bedell family website just go to lenbedell.com.au where you can order books and related products directly from the Bedell family and part proceeds go towards the preservation and the restoration of Len's historic plaques that are scattered along the roads and highways as part of the Bedell plaque restoration project. So who was Len? Well as I said he's often been referred to as the last great Australian explorer because of his lifetime. Time of that work surveying, mapping, and creating access to a vast portion of the Australian outback. It was a young man in the Australian Army when he was asked to start a rocket range or something, as he'd later recall it. And it was a job that would have been akin to a prison sentence to some, but Len Bedell later acknowledged he would have done it for free had anyone ever bothered to ask him. And that meant living in the bush and surveying it was deeply in his blood, a favourite pastime which began years earlier when he joined the first Burwood Scout Group as a young lad in 1930. And that gave him experience in surveying, going on many weekend survey trips with his surveyor scout leader, Mr John Skip Redmond. And it also brought out the best in his pioneering spirit. He regarded uh, Len-rather Skip Richmond-as his mentor, and Len stated later on that he showed me it was possible to enjoy all the pleasures of the bush, particularly camping, while at the same time still doing something useful and constructive, that is, surveying. So these survey trips were conducted within a 150-kilometre radius of Sydney, mainly around Kiama and in the Blue Mountains. And Skip would pick up the willing helpers on a Saturday morning in his Bullnose Morris and return them home late on Sunday night. And the children brought only a small backpack and a fry pan with them. Now, they all love camping in the bush, cooking and burning porridge, trudging up and down hills, carrying other equipment and searching for old survey markers as if on a treasure hunt. And the purpose behind each of these excursions really was to establish a trigonomic network for the water board and to plan the location and pipeline between major dams which were supplying water to Sydney. It was an experience which sparked in Len a lifetime passion for surveying and bush living, the crowning achievement of which came in 1947 when he was tasked by the Australian Government to locate and survey the site for a rocket testing range in northern South Australia, the centre line of which was initially stretched across West Australia almost to the Indian Ocean. And the town that was named as the base for that range was named as Woomera, and Len's work included the initial Woomera airstrip, the town, the launch site surveys, etc. And in the years to follow, he led a gang of roadmakers to create over 6,500 kilometres of access roads for scientific observations which would be relating to Woomera, Emu, Maralinga and the subsequent Worldwide Geotic Survey. The best known of these roads is the Gun Barrel Highway, which runs from near the Stewart Highway west to Carnegie Station with a distance of over 50 15,000 kilometers and some upcoming episodes we will focus heavily on Len Bedell and he's it was just an unbelievable tale that I learned as a kid from my dad Um, Of course, the Gun Barrel Highway, the Connie Sue Highway, there's just so many, but we will touch on those in upcoming episodes of the Road Less Travel podcast. That is certainly something you can be guaranteed of. If you want to know more, jump onto the website, which is Len Bedell, and it is spelled, His surname is B-E-A-D-E-L-L, lenbedell.com.au, and I really urge you to get some of those books and whet your appetite for some absolutely fantastic tales of the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and 70s of Central Australia. Now, if you're in Melbourne, Victoria, there's nothing but friendly faces which await you at the Victorian Caravan Camping and Touring Super Show. You'll find thousands of like-minded travellers and hundreds, and I mean hundreds of caravans, camper vans, trailers and more at the Melbourne Showgrounds this February, the 22nd to 26th of February. You can buy tickets online via the Super Show website, which is caravanshow.com.au. It is a fantastic event, and if you're looking for a caravan camper, caravan, or if you're just looking for some ideas for other RVs or whatever, it is absolutely your one-stop shop. You'll be blown away by the amount of caravans. We went last year and man man blew our heads out of the water. We uh, were just overwhelmed by the amount of displays that they had there, but uh, it is certainly worth to put down if you're in Melbourne jump down 2023 Victoria Caravan and Camping Super Show at the at the, Victoria, at the Melbourne Showgrounds. It is certainly one to mention. And if you want more information, jump onto the Facebook page of the Caravan Industry of Victoria. They have a whole lot of uh, other, this one that comes up at Bendigo and, and another Lezer, Leisure Fest show as well. Now, if you've got some information regarding some of the recipes that you've tried on the road or at home, drop me a line, which is fatcat at iinet.net.au and I'd love to have your recipes and I'll pass them on to everybody else as well don't forget too that you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram on Instagram search for the road less travel podcast 2021 and you can find us of course on Facebook and our website too which is fatcatmedia.com.au that's fatcat with a p-h-a-t-c-a-t this has been the road less travel podcast my name is Nikki Shay, and I trust that you've enjoyed it and I look forward to catching you somewhere out there very soon on the road thanks for listening talk to you next week take care bye for now the road, Thanks for listening. The Road Less Travelled is presented by Nikki Shea and produced by Fat Cat Media.